wouldn't be a never mind. There there we go. going to say was it wouldn't be a home residuals podcast without the uh, intro music not working. And it's kind of nice and full circle here because, you know, football season's coming down the pike, so I'll probably be moving over there in a little bit. I don't know how many more home residuals podcasts we have left, so I'm glad, just like when we started, the intro music didn't work. Getting all nostalgic now. Uh, Anyway, on the other line, we have staff writer for so-called fantasyexperts.com, Patrick Wallace. Pat, how are you? Good. How are you, Travis? Uh, just hanging out in the wonderful northwest Arkansas. Sounds lovely. I've never been. Um, <laughs> but I am good. Pat, Patrick and I were talking about, before we came on air, our uh, trouble playing daily fantasy sports. Um, Patrick put a team together tonight that apparently is not working. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Let's just say when the score is five to two already in the second in Atlanta, and you decide to stack a, I mean the pitchers tonight were just awful. I, I did a, I did a just the late teams, but there was just nothing to choose from pitching wise. Well, I'm sure a lot of people probably spent a lot of money on Zach Greinke against the Phillies, and then he gave up six runs. So that doesn't, that didn't make a lot of sense. My understanding of fantasy baseball was temporarily uh, completely wrong. But, yeah, daily stuff, that's hard. Uh, There's a lot of great daily stuff up on the site, so you should check that out because maybe we should probably check more of that out because we're both very bad at daily fantasy sports. So check that out on socalledfantasyexperts.com. Pat, why don't you shout out your Twitter handle before we get into this and uh, maybe – you know, what you, what your articles are about on the site. So in case people forgot, they can go check those out too. Yeah, I'm um, uh, at Ewall underscore 1989. Uh, I've actually been posting a little more content now with the Royals AA affiliate, just the, some features I've done with Kyle Zimmer, Bubba Starling, um, uh, Chris Medlin. I actually was going to get something with uh, Sean Maniah or Cody Reed, but those guys obviously are no longer with uh, the organization. Um, but, yeah, obviously there's always some decent content uh, if you go to my Twitter and click on the links. Otherwise, on so-calledfantasyexperts.com. Uh, Shift a little more to fantasy football uh, soon, but I had the uh, Atlanta Braves trade piece. Um, I had that go out, and then uh, in the past I've been writing, obviously, a weekly pitcher's article. Um uh, which has pretty much been hit or miss over the last couple of months. But. <laughs> well, it's pretty hard to, uh, like we said before, it's hard to figure out when. You can tell over the season how they're going to play, but week by week, it's confusing as hell. Anyway, so last week I wanted to go over with uh, Stefan the trade deadline and the move that had happened. We were talking um, on Wednesday night, so still a lot of stuff hadn't happened yet. Um, 
But Stefan got stuck at work. So it was just me talking for about a half hour and that that my hearing my own voice for that long started to weird me out. So we thought we'd now that it's the trade deadline's fully over, it's fully passed last Friday, uh I wanted to jump in, talk more about how the trades affect, you know, could affect each player and maybe some of the minor leaguers. Um the big movers this trade deadline was the Toronto Blue Jays getting David Price and Troy Tulowitzki. Um, so, Troy Tulowitzki, is he still the best fantasy shortstop? Is his, are, can we still expect his stats to be just as fantastic as they were in Coors? Because, you know, Coors feels a nice place to, hit, to, to be a hitter. What do you think? Of all the places he could have ended up, I mean, I had him in an only league, so I didn't exactly love the trade when I found out about it after I was leaving the comedy club, but um, but all the places he could have ended up for you know mixed league purposes for anybody who has him, I think Toronto may have been the best um, opportunity for him. It's still a pretty hitter-friendly ballpark. Obviously, now he gets Donaldson and Carnacion Bautista to either protect him if he's batting one or two or hit in between those three if he's you know batting three or four. Um, so I, I definitely think it was a great, great spot for him. I mean, that trade, I think, kind of helped both shortstops. I think Jose Reyes ends up in a better spot. Obviously, he's kind of struggled, though, um, initially after the trade, but yeah, I don't I don't necessarily think his uh, trade value for Tulowitzki was hurt at all. If anything, in future years, it kind of may have benefited getting him out of, I've heard, you know, getting him out of the lighter air and at course field may actually help his, his legs and um, recovery time and staying healthy and staying on the field. Well, see, the only thing with Toronto that worries me is that AstroTurf. Um, Tulowitzki is kind of injury-prone. That AstroTurf is not very forgiving on uh, the knees or the ankles or any of that stuff. So that I'm a little worried about. Um, but yeah, yeah I that's definitely true. I mean, Reyes has had those similar problems because of the AstroTurf. So, yeah, I don't know anything about that, but that's definitely a good point. But, I mean, it is kind of hit or miss also with injuries. Like, he may be fine. Uh, Donaldson hasn't been affected by the AstroTurf so much this year. Donaldson's not usually as injury-prone, but still, most of the most of the guys on the team, except for Michael Saunders, have really been on the field most of the time. So I think it wouldn't necessarily be too much of a factor this year, maybe long-term. I'm so in a dynasty league format. I think the injury risk, also he's 31, or soon to be 31. I think that probably... You know, you might want to take that into a little bit of account, but I don't think there's too much uh, to worry about with Tulowitzki. Uh, and if Reyes could ever start hitting in Colorado, I think he's in a better – well, he won't, he's not in a great situation for run scoring because he really only has Nolan Arenado behind him to drive in some of those runs. Um, but the, the Rockies, I think, don't have a lot to play for, obviously. Uh, I think they're going to let him run, let him see what he can do. Um I don't know when his contract is up because if they're going to, he's still under contract for next year. I believe he is. Maybe they're trying to build his value up, um, so then they could flip him yeah. next year. Yeah, I mean he's still. That's the. I kind of always thought he was getting moved still because that's the part that didn't really make sense because they traded too low and took on the same. Um, obviously, you never know the full money um, that's changes hands between the two teams, but they pretty much took on the same salary, so. Yeah, I definitely think Reyes could be another trade chip uh, for the Rockies next year. I don't really think 
think uh, they're going to be competing next year either. Yeah, he's under contract until 2017. So I think they're going to let him run. They're going to let him swing for the fences um, just to, you know, bump up those stats and say, look, Jose Reyes, he's elite like he was when he was with the uh, the Mets. He wasn't uh, – the, the Blue Jays were holding him down a little bit because they had the guys coming up behind him and they had to drive him in. So hopefully if you own Reyes, you get some of lower steals. But like you said, he has not been hitting uh, great this last week. But, again, that's a small sample size. I think uh, if he stays with Colorado, the biggest thing that that you could uh, biggest thing maybe to look at next year, um, obviously we're looking way down the line, but is where their plans on Blackman Reyes, because I think whoever bats one obviously could be in line for the bigger boost. Obviously, have more time to run um, compared to who's batting two. Yeah. That's true, but I, I I think they'll probably I mean if they keep Reyes they'll probably bat him first because Blackman has uh, shown the ability to drive in some runs whether it was his hot hot start last year or uh, he's got a good amount of RBIs this year so I think they'll probably go with him too. But again, that's more dynasty league stuff, and both of them and that's even assuming both of them are on the team next year. So Blackman should be I don't know about Reyes. Uh, the other big move the Blue Jays obviously made, was David Price. Um, you worried about David Price moving to uh, Toronto? Uh, I, actually, I I think it's a great move for Toronto. I think it's great for uh, Price, too. Um, obviously, really? I, don't, I don't think there's any... I don't envision any way Price stays in Toronto, no matter how much they, money they gave him, but obviously his, you know, his best times came when he was in Tampa, so he's Familiar with the division, familiar with you know the Yankees, the Red Sox. Um, obviously, I think Toronto has the better lineup, and I don't necessarily think a, a ballpark like Rogers Center will affect uh, Price as much as it might affect some other home run prone pitchers. Yeah, that's true. He's more of a strikeout guy. Um, I was just worried about you know the division and. Uh, he does not have to face the, the Blue Jays, which is nice. So that's that's always a plus. The Yankee team's pretty good, but then when I really started thinking gets, about it, the Reds the Rays. Yeah, he gets the he gets the Rays, who are <laughs> terrible, and the Red Sox, while they look just like from the names on the list, look um, pretty intimidating. They're really not hitting either. Um, so I really once at first thought I was like, oh, back on the AL East, that's terrible for him. He, he, I mean, he, I know he pitched there well when he was at the Rays, but like you, once you get out of that division, you should try to stay out of it. Um, but now that he is in the division with the weakened Red Sox and the weakened Rays, it's like okay, maybe maybe this isn't as bad as I uh, originally thought. So David Price should be fine. He's a strikeout pitcher, and as we've seen this season. A lot of guys in the AL strike out a lot. Um, so, yeah, he should be fine. The one thing I was kind of interested with was the uh, sneaky addition of Ben Revere there. Like, a, like he was the last-minute move. Besides the Mets making their move, Ben Revere was the guy that uh, kind of came in right under the deadline. And, obviously, he bumps his stock up going to the uh, Blue Jays because they're a much better team than the Phillies. But... Um, do we really think the stock's going to go up that much? I mean, he's probably 
I don't know where he's been hitting. I don't know if he's been leading off. Um, I should check yeah, that the, out, actually. The interesting thing about Revere is when he first came over, um, Gibbons obviously said, you know, he bet near the bottom of the lineup, which he has been, and uh, but that he'd be in a platoon, which, I mean, he's played every game since he's come over. So um, I don't know if they just haven't faced a, a lefty yet, but obviously he hasn't. If they have been facing lefties, he hasn't been platooning because, I mean, he's started every game since he's joined the organization. Now, who would they be platooning him with? Um, Pilar? Well, I think it was Pilar and then, uh, uh, actually, I guess it would probably be Calabello. Uh, Calabello, and then when Saunders returns, that could, uh, yeah. I assume, one shift could be a to smoke. Well, they have Encarnacion at DH. I'm just looking at the most recent game they played. They have uh, Pilar in center, Revere in left, Batista in right, Calabello at first. So things can get kind of dicey when you're trying to play Calabello and uh, Batista in the outfield. Um, so they probably want to avoid having to do that as much as possible. But, yeah, yeah I think... I mean, ben, no, no, Hopefully ahead, for Revere owners, you don't have anything to worry about, at least until Saunders returns, which, um, I mean, who knows if he even will. Yeah, I feel like people have been saying, like, when Saunders returns for a long time. Um, and I just don't think it's happening this season. I know, he, like, a lot of people have him as a sleeper pick coming into the year, but I think if he, Saunders is just, you know, he's not coming back. And if he, or if he does, I don't think he's going to be very effective. I think that outfield's got a lot more crowded than it was before the season. Um, the only thing that I could see him doing was maybe some cheap steals at the end of the year. But what are you um, – who are we going to go – oh, Ben Revere. That's who we were talking about. I'm just saying, I think his stock actually is about the same now with batting at ninth for the Blue Jays. is about batting first for the uh, – <laughs> The Phillies is probably a little higher because if he can get around the horn, he does have, you know, Tulitsky and Donaldson and Batista. It's kind of strange that they've been leaning off with Tulitsky. I figured they'd at least lead off with Revere and bump everybody down one. But Yeah, I think, well, I think with kind of at least how they generally do things, they always talk about how they don't want to mess with, you know, what's working. So I think Donaldson, Batista, and Carnacion stick two, three, four. I mean, I personally would say the Blue Jays' best chance at winning is going to be moving two out of the five spot and then Revere leading off. Um, but obviously, less or until that happens. Um, yeah, like you said, I think Revere's value kind of stays the same. That's one thing that never really made sense to me. I guess it's just the um, psychological aspect of the game. But... And I never understood the difference between batting uh, like second or fifth. Like, would uh, would that really make you hit better out of the two hole instead of the five hole? But then again, I've never been a major league baseball player. Um, but the Blue Jays got David Price. They had to give up some pitching prospects. One of those was their top pitching prospect, uh, Daniel Norris, who had a little bit of a stay up in April. I think he was pitching because of Stroman's injury. He wasn't very good, let's say that. He uh, moved to Detroit, and he pitched great in his first time out. Um, 
last year when David Price got traded. He got traded for he got traded for Drew Smiley, who as soon as Smiley went to his new team was wiped out for the Rays. Um, do we think players just get traded for David Price just light it up this as soon as they get traded? <laughs> do we think Daniel Norris can have a Drew Smiley like season where his or rest of the season where his ERA is one point seven? Well, kind of like you were saying with Price, you know, being worried about him going to the East. I, I think the move to Detroit. I mean, you just think about it. Obviously, um, you got Norris has never really been dominant in the majors, but you think about the psychological, um, I guess, impact or scaredness. I don't know the word I'm looking for uh, of just coming up, making like coming up, and you have to face the Yankees, you got to face the Red Sox, you got to face the Orioles, and not only that, you have to do it in all hitter-friendly parks. So, I mean, I think moving to Detroit for Norris could at least. Um, Psychologically, it could help him, and obviously, numbers-wise, it could help him as well. Getting Minnesota and, um, well, I'm drawing a blank on that whole division. Uh, White Sox, Cleveland, kind of some of the weaker lineups. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see how he holds up. Um, I don't remember who he pitched his first game against. Um, I'm going to look that up while we're talking, but he just seemed... um, more relaxed, more in control. Maybe he might have been rushed up from the minors a little bit early, earlier this season because they needed somebody with um, like, uh, Marcus Stroman tearing up his knee. So perhaps they needed somebody in there. Um, but he did – oh, he pitched against Baltimore. He pitched at Baltimore, gave up one run, struck out five through seven in the third innings, four hits and one walk. So that's pretty good – Pretty good for his old division yeah, rival. wasn't a problem for him. Well, no, he uh, gave up three runs to the Yankees, two runs to the Rays in one in start, one run to the Rays in his second start, and five runs to the Braves. His, man, his ERA was not that bad. I thought he was a lot more uh, got blown up. A, oh, because he gave up five runs in two innings. That's why his ERA was so high. But... um. I think he's still out there in shallower leagues or um, shallow. He's probably not available in shallower keeper leagues, but I think it's a good speculation play. Sometimes these teams that are sellers, the pressure's off. Um, they're not going to worry so much about, you know, if Daniel Norris is pitching poorly, we got to send it back to the minors and get somebody else up because we got to make the playoffs. And since Detroit seems like they're just sort of saying we're we're out this year. Maybe the black spotlight can uh, help Damon Norris find that dominant form he had in the minors last year. Um, yeah, I think that's a, a, a definitely a good point about you know spotlight the pressure. It's kind of just um, now he can just go out and pitch. He doesn't have to worry about it. You know, I have to pitch well to you know my team's in a race or anything like that. So exactly. So now he can uh, settle in and. Hopefully he keeps striking people out. Um, now now he just matchups. has the pressure of, I just got Dave Dombrowski fired because he traded for me. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess. I wouldn't say it that way. I would say it <laughs> as Dave Dombrowski got fired because... I don't think... I wouldn't say they traded for Derek, Daniel Norris. That's why he got fired. Uh, I don't know exactly what I would say, but I wouldn't say that. 
Um, if I think of something while we're talking, I'll bring it back up. But poor Dave Dombrowski. Uh, so Detroit... I think it'd probably be more suspicious than. Actually, I have no idea. That was just that kind of baffled me yesterday when I heard that news. But well, you know yeah, what it might have been. Maybe it's just since they made the trades last year to get Price, and they went out and got Cespedes, and it didn't really work out this year. So maybe it was like, okay, we gave you one last chance last year. Your moves didn't work out, and now you're selling them off. So you're you're out of here. Um, I don't know. People, general managers, lifespan, kind of hang on a thread there. Uh, But one of the moves Dombrowski made before he got fired was sending uh, Cespedes to the Mets for some people I didn't even know. Um, I really thought Wheeler was going to be in the deal because I remember hearing hearing some chatter that Zach Wheeler was going to be shipped to Cincinnati for Jay Bruce. that didn't happen. I heard Zach Wheeler actually for like two or three times in the day actually thought he had been traded, similar to how Wilmer Flores broke down in tears that one time because he thought he had been traded. Both of them are still with the Mets, and they added Cespedes, uh, who's been hidden since he got there. What do we think of Cespedes on the Mets and just that whole lineup now, and, uh, maybe those pitchers getting some more run support, stuff like that. Uh, you think everybody's arrows trending up on the Mets? Uh, I, th- I mean, I don't. I, I, that's a that's a good question. I don't. I just. I I'm interested to see how Cespedes, uh, what he does in in New York, just because, you know, he's having a great year, obviously, but everyone seems to forget how, um, you know, he had a great rookie year and then kind of tailed off. So, I, I hope it works out. I think they have kind of a similar. I think they have a great great team for postseason success. I just kind of hope they can can get there to see those guys like Harvey, DeGrom, um, Syndergaard on, on that, you know, big stage. I just, I I hope, um, I hope Cespedes is the answer that everyone seems to think he is. Well, the one thing I will say for Cespedes is he likes hitting in City Field. Uh, he won his first home run derby championship there. Three All-Star games ago, yeah, because Frazier won, then he won last year and two years ago. So, three home run derbies ago, Cespedes won there. So, at least he's you know comfortable watching the ball fly out of the park. Uh, <laughs> I think, and this you know we are fantasy baseball players, so it's hard to uh, sort of talk about the the non-stat related stuff of baseball, but. Obviously, the Mets had great pitching, but their team sort of was, I thought, was a little dejected because uh, they couldn't score runs. Cespedes probably isn't the uh, heart of the lineup or your hitter you want to anchor your team around. He's probably a good number two guy, um, like in Oakland last year when it was Donaldson and him. Uh, Donaldson was the one, he was the two kind of thing. But anyway, I think it just sort of raises everybody's morale, gives them a little more confidence in the team. Uh, Maybe the pitchers aren't worrying so much about being perfect. Like, I watched that Sunday night game where Syndergaard against the Nationals last week. And, you know, the Nationals are a good team. Maybe if you, if the Mets didn't pick up Cespedes, he's pitching a little tighter. He's worrying a little bit more about if I give up any runs, we're screwed. And I think the Nationals 
hit a home run in the first inning, so they were they were up. But I didn't get flustered. They came back. They won 5-2 or whatever. So maybe it's just a mental thing of guys can relax a little bit. Guys can just play baseball instead of worrying like, okay, if i got to get a hit here. I need to get some RBIs because we never score. Now people can think, oh, we got Cespedes behind us. He can he can drive them in. Um, so I think everybody's stock goes up on the Mets. Um, I think, especially the pitching, because now they're getting the run support, not that they really needed it, because <laughs> DeGrom, Harvey, and uh, Syndergaard have been so, especially Syndergaard, has been so dominant over the last month. It's hard for their stock to go up higher, but I think there's just probably some more chances of wins there. Um, do you think that uh, confidence thing could play in, uh, play in here? No, yeah, I definitely think it um, it will allow Harvey, I mean, we always say the first three, but it will allow all five of them to pitch a little looser and um, have a little more fun out there than they give up two runs and think, well, that's a loss. Um, I guess my, my biggest concern is it, it's similar to San Diego was this past off season. They went out and got three outfielders when their biggest need was middle infield. Um, and that's why the Gomez trade didn't really make sense was I mean, obviously, getting Cespedes is a huge upgrade over whether it's Kadir, Lagares, or um, Conforto, wherever they decide to play him. But their, in my opinion, their biggest need was either a, someone to fill in at third base while Wright is out, um, or someone at at a shortstop so you could move Flores to second and Murphy to third. I don't personally believe Kelly Johnson and Juan Uribe is that answer, but. Um, <laughs> I mean, obviously, given what was out there, they they went out and at least got the biggest bet on the market, at least um, most would expect, so or most would consider Cespedes the biggest bet. So, I mean, they they definitely got themselves uh, a guy who could score some more runs for them. I just with a guy like Tuo getting moved out of would have loved to see a team like the Mets in on on someone like that as opposed to Cespedes. Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting you say that because, you know, we, we do talk about the the big three that the Mets have right now pitching, and they have Wheeler and Matt's on the DL. Like, that would be an unbelievable starting rotation if they're all healthy. But to win in Major League Baseball, you don't need five ace-caliber stars. Like, they could have traded Wheeler, left Nisa as their fifth starter, and, like, still had a great rotation. Uh, and I think Wheeler might have, Pulled or returned somebody a little more than whoever they traded uh, for Cespedes. I know there's a lot of rumors about Justin Upton going to the Mets in return for probably a pitching prospect. I was kind of surprised uh, San Diego didn't pull the trigger on any of the, the Upton deals, but I thought he would have made a little more sense than Cespedes for the Mets. But still, I like Cespedes in there, just giving, that, giving them a bat that can uh, actually hit the ball. I know Conforto, I don't think he's going to start. I think he's more of a, a bench bat now because as soon as they got Cespedes from Detroit, they sent Conforto back down. Now he's back up because I think Kirk Neuenheis is on the DL. But if they play Granderson, Cespedes, and Conforto together, they have no center fielder. So they want to leave in. McGarris somehow, and I think Conforto will be the odd guy out. So I guess I should revise what I said earlier when I said everybody's stock goes up. 
everybody except Michael Conforto's stock goes up. He 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 slides down a little bit. Um, but I was going to ask if you didn't if you thought Juan Uribe wasn't enough. And it's pretty clear uh, you think they needed a little more there on the infield. But were there a lot of infielders out there besides Tulowitzki to to pick up? I don't I didn't really think so. No, yeah, I mean without getting like Aramis Ramirez or um, I mean there weren't a, weren't a ton out there. Uh, I, I guess there was Javi Baez if you wanted to go down that route, but I mean if you already have Wilma Flores, I don't know if you could do. Um, and I don't know that Castro would have honestly been an upgrade over what they already have. So yeah, I mean I guess mm-hmm. again I, I guess they got the bat that that was available to them. Um, so good for the match. <laughs> yeah, uh, good good for the match. I'm trying to think. I mean, I guess they could have probably tried to get Segura from the Brewers. Um, I was a little shocked that he wasn't included in that deal when they initially announced Gomez going to the Mets. Um, but okay. I mean, outside of that, I, I guess there wasn't a whole lot out there. Do we think the Mets would have been better off pulling whatever pulling the trigger on uh, Gomez than Cespedes? Do you think they're both going to deliver about the same production? I think I think the deal they did was was perfect for them just because they they keep Wheeler as another I mean if anything he's another trade chip for for this off season next year or you know you wait till Wheeler's healthy and then you can kind of honestly decide which of the five or of the five you know which four do you, you really want to keep and then that fifth becomes you know a decent trade chip and I don't necessarily think they needed um, needed Gomez because. You have to think Conforto at least comes up next year as your everyday um, left fielder. So between him and then you also have Nimmo, I don't, I don't know that they necessarily needed more than a rental and then to get yeah. the same production this year for a much lesser player it likely is uh, huge. Yeah, I think a lot of Mets fans were just hoping to get Carlos Gomez back since he was once a Mets prospect. Um, it would have been nice. Full, full circle sort of thing. Um, but that's enough about the Mets because I don't think I've talked about them literally more than three minutes on any podcast we've done all all season besides to talk about how much I love Noah Syndergaard. Um, so let's move on to who? Oh, no. Damn pop-ups. Um, I had a nice segue. That pop-up threw me off. Uh, oh, the Padres. Why? Why didn't they trade anybody? What uh, what do you think was going on there? And does that become such a toxic situation? Everybody just is worthless. I know Justin Upton hasn't been hitting lately. Neither has Derek Norris, who was one of the best pit, uh, catchers for the first part of the season. Um, I should have chose different people to talk about because I'm going to confuse Derek Norris and Daniel Norris like this whole podcast. But uh, any ideas? With, uh, with what I have found is kind of interesting as for, I mean, this is off topic, and now I'll get right back to the Padres. If you've noticed, Stephen Vogt and um, Derek Norris, anybody who has those two, or if you haven't paid attention and you have those two, um, it may help to look at what they've done recently. Um, obviously, those are the two Oakland products, and they've struggled quite a bit since about May. Um, but anyways, back on topic. I think it's maybe may 
mainly in um, AJ Preller just got really nervous, I think, and I think it's going to probably make it a very short tenure in San Diego. I think he did all those moves in the winter, and when it didn't work, he was afraid to get burned with ups and maybe faster or loss, so he decided to stick tight and just. Um, I think he's just hoping for something to happen that's not going to. The uh, so I am a Yankees fan, and the move I more than anything, well, not more than anything, because I'm, I like the Yankees' new uh, focus on you know building from within and prospects and all that jazz. But I wanted to see Craig Kimbrell in that bullpen with Dylan Betances and Andrew Miller, and just see like the fear in other teams' eyes when they're like, oh, it's the sixth inning. There's one out. I bet Kimbrell's coming in, or I bet Betances is coming in. Like something something to just, like, ridiculous. They would have a ridiculous stable of closers. They could have even, like, started the game with Kimbrell, went to, you know, Sabathia for four innings, then Betances and then Miller or something. And the possibilities were endless. So I was a little <laughs> upset that didn't happen. I'm... I'm I mean, I know the Yankees really have no shortstop prospects except for um, what's it, Jorge. I, mean, I can't think of his last name. Mateo. I was going to say Alfaro, but I know that's the catcher that just got traded in the the not the Papelpon. Who just the Hamels deal? God, there's too many trades. Um, so I was hope I was happy they kept him, but I mean he's only a 20 year old. So what are you going to get? I don't know. But that would have been fun for me, at least. Uh, but that didn't happen. So we'll move past that. I, I agree with you. I think A.J. Preller just got totally... Um, he, I think he thought people would buy... would be willing to give more for his prospect or his players than they were. Um, I think if you are trying to be a seller, it's better to sell early than sell late when people realize, like, eh, you're getting a little desperate to sell off your pieces. I'll give you less for them. So, if I was a GM, well, I, just, I mainly found it, I guess, interesting, or maybe he just he missed out on, um, and we can maybe segue this into Kansas City, but uh, I don't get how you know Kansas City gives up those top prospects for Zobers and for Cueto. Um, did he want more than that for Ross or Cashner, or did KC just really prefer Cueto? Because obviously, if he wanted more than what. Casey gave it for Cueto, then I mean, obviously, I could that that was never going to happen. Um, but yeah, I think he may have just waited too long, and then you know he ran out of time. Yeah, um, and I think this is a good segue to Kansas City because I was pretty surprised Kansas City was gave, gave up like a Mania for Zobrist. Um, I think Mania could be a pretty good pitcher. I know he's a little a little bit ways away, but did that shock you at all, or do you think it was worthwhile for you know to get Cueto and get uh, Zobrist in there to boost that lineup? And uh, do you think it was worth trading those guys? I know you're you're in the uh, Kansas City system, so uh, I, for for selfish reasons, I hated the trade because he just. So it's, I've been trying to see past the bias because I mean he destroyed our team as we <laughs> enter our playoff run here soon. Um, oh yeah. I I can understand the Cueto deal. I actually I wanted them to move in again, um, 
as someone who saw Finnegan this year in Double A, I, I don't think he's, you know, I don't think he's that that ace pitcher that people think he could be. I, I think they, um, I think there's a reason they kind of bounce back and forth between if they want to be a starter or a bullpen guy. So I didn't, I didn't mind them giving him up for Cueto at all, especially when you look at it, if you said last year in July you can trade or in June I guess you can trade your 14th overall pick for a chance to go to the World Series for a second straight year. You know, I think anything would do that. So I didn't mind the Finnegan, um, Finnegan aspect for Cueto. I, I really like Cody Reed. Um, he's kind of a not-so-talked-about left-hander in the deal with Finnegan and Lamb. Um, we had him in Northwest Arkansas a little bit. I really liked him. I don't think he projects any more than, you know, middle-of-the-rotation guy. But I think he almost is the most major league-ready of all the pitchers they gave up. Um, and he was a second rounder after Manaya. As for Zobris, I just, I, I personally, I didn't get it. I, part of the clubhouse, um, at least part of the Royals, you know, motto is that, you know, it's all homegrown. They get along so great at team chemistry and all that. And then you trade, um, you kind of traded for a replacement for Gordon when, unless they know, you know, something that we don't know as far as Gordon's recovery. I don't necessarily think they needed that in order to get in the playoffs. And I don't necessarily think Zobris, you know, is that answer that's going to put them over the edge between, you know, getting to the playoffs and winning the World Series. So yeah. I, didn't, I didn't love the Manaya trade. Yeah, and the Cueto one I think is pretty good. I think his staff, the fantasy option obviously goes up. He's going to get some more of on support. He's got a great defense behind him. Uh, I know his first two starts have been a little – Rockier than Royals fans would like, but when you've got you know Lorenzo Kane out there and and uh, Jared Dyson running down fly balls, not a lot that's going to drop. Um, the Zobris trade did kind of confuse me. I know a lot of people said it was a great fit since he can play second base or the outfield. And Rios and Infante have been the Royals' two uh, underachievers this year. But I think you're right. I think his numbers, like he's a good fantasy player. Um, I don't think they're going to go up a ton playing for the Royals. And I just, I don't think he's that important to the team that it was worth giving up a prospect like that, who in the dynasty situation, I'd say is probably a top 100 prospect right now. Um, I don't know if they had to, had to do that trade. If it works out, they win the World Series. I guess everybody forgets about it. But Zobrist is not the power hitting steel, base stealing guy he was when he first, uh, bust into the scene on the Tampa Bay Rays, like in 2009. So that one confused me a little bit, but um, maybe they just were thinking, you know, Manaya is so young, it could take a little while to get him up. And 19 year I think he's 19, yeah? Uh, Manaya, I think, uh, let me look to make sure. I think the one big thing, at least when I was talking to our uh, broadcaster that they mentioned was, uh, I mean, he is still a pretty raw talent. He's had some health issues, obviously. Um, I don't know. He's not 21. He's, oh, he's 23. 23. Okay, well, I was totally wrong on how old he was. I was going to say, I think uh, that maybe they were just trying to, like, say, you know, it's not worth developing this young kid, but he's... Why do I think he was so young? Well, it makes a little less sense now. But anyway. He, but, yeah, I mean, he's just... He's a raw talent, but... I. 
he's obviously if you if you stacked up the five pitches that they gave up, I'd probably I mean I'd obviously put in number one, up, even above Finnegan. Um, Finnegan's obviously more major league ready, but I think Manaya is. You know, I always looked at you know they had all these young arms, and that was gonna they were gonna be the Mets maybe in three years. They pretty much, I mean, they trade obviously from a strength, but they picked their. You know, they pick their young arms that they, I guess, have faith in, and it's kind of just one of those things. They better hope those certain guys that they catch pan out, or three years from now they could, they could be really hurting on both sides. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think it's really good for Manaya's stock that he ended up in Oakland because they tend to, uh, you know, fix in, fix project pictures or fix pitchers to, uh, you know weren't great in the minors or, and they're able to take, you know, just a little bit of talent and get a lot of results from it. So if you give a guy who has a lot of talent to them, I think they should be able to get a lot of results from it. And they could use another yeah, pitcher. Through his, through his first two starts with uh, um, their double-A team, he's 2-0, and obviously, in uh, 16 strikeouts 13, in 13 innings. Um, so, I mean, I, I wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me at all if he, you know, suddenly was signing Gray in two years. Um, obviously, that would be a little older than Sonny Gray was when he first broke into the big leagues. But, you know, I, I think he definitely has the raw skills to, to be something on that level. Yeah, I think his stock as a prospect in Dynasty Leagues has definitely gone up. Um, and Oakland doesn't have a lot of pitching, so they'll probably get him up into the major sooner rather than later. Uh, the other big trade that went down was Cole Hamels to Texas and a gang of prospects back to the Phillies. Um, I don't pitching for in Arlington's not great hitters park, uh, but the run support there is going to be more than it was getting with the Phillies. Do you think his fantasy value has gone up or has gone down now that he's in Texas? Uh, I think it definitely goes up. I mean, I don't know that Arlington can be much worse than Citizens Bank. And, I mean, any starting pitcher getting out of Philly, especially one that has been on the block for maybe, what, three years? Um, you know, I don't – I definitely don't think it can hurt. I mean, he could have gone to Coors, I almost would say, and it wouldn't have hurt it. But, huh. um, yeah, I mean, he goes – he gets on a, a much better team, um, much better lineup behind him. And I, they at least have – you know, they – have the you know roster that could win this year, next year, or the year after, throughout the you know duration of his contract. So, yeah, I mean, getting out of Philly, I think, was just the first step towards finally getting Hamels back to being that ace pitcher that he can be for a fantasy team. It's also going to be pretty interesting next year. Um, this is for keeper and dynasty leagues more, because he, if Darvish comes back and is healthy, to one-two punch and maybe. I don't know who would be the, the, the ace, but whoever's the number two guy, you know, he's probably going to pitch against a slightly worse opponent than he's used to pitching. So I think it could boost either Darvish's or uh, Hamill's stock there. But obviously Hamill's a great pitcher. He's on a better team. He's got some much better run support behind him. So I think that works in his favor. And I think you're right. I think Arlington's not as terrible of a place to pitch as, uh, you know, it used to be. 
And I think that's just because Texas has better pitchers than they used to. Mike Darvish has been fine. Um, I did really want to ask you about the prospects that were traded back to the Phillies because for somebody who was trying to trade or rumored to be trying to trade Hamels for three years, like you said, I thought they got a pretty pretty good haul back uh, from Texas and Nick Williams and Jorge Alfaro and others. Um, what are your thoughts on those guys for, for Dynasty League potential? Yeah, I think um, I think Alfaro, I think, is the guy who's going to be, you know, he's going to be given whatever he needs to succeed. I mean, obviously, it dates back to when they try to get Swihart. Obviously, getting that young future, you know, catcher that the, I assume they think could be, you know, the next Buster Posey of sorts, um, that was key in any deal they traded Hamill. So, I, I think Alfaro's, uh, obviously, he didn't have much standing in his way in Texas either, but I think he kind of gets a little bit of a boost moving to Philly. Um, and then, I mean, again, any of those younger prospects, there's not a whole lot in Philadelphia right now. So if they, you know, continue to hit at the minor league level, they're going to obviously be on the fast track to the major leagues, whereas they may not have been for a team in contention like the Rangers. Yeah, I think Nick Williams is an interesting prospect in for dynasty leagues just because his stock has gone up a lot this year in prospect circles. Um, He's shown a lot of improvement in just not swinging at everything. His walk rates have gone up. Um, and when he does actually you know, swing at pitches he can hit, he is a fantastic player. And now that, like we said before, Ben Revere has gone. Dominic Brown has not really been good except for a two-month stretch a few years ago. They're playing Cody Ashey in left field. Um, I think they're playing Odubel Herrera in center. It's a mix. mix of uh, outfielders, it doesn't really seem like it's gonna, you know, be together for a long time. So I think he, his track to the majors has been fast tracked a little bit. Um, so if you've got him as a prospect, I'd hold on to him. But if you want to trade him, you know, you, your asking price can go up, and that's something that, you know, in dynasty leagues, is always good to have fantasy assets on your side. Um. I thought it was interesting Texas sort of went in for it this year. I think it was nice, a, a good idea to make the move now and just grab Hamill since he's under control uh, contract for a little while longer to waiting for next year, try to make a deadline trade because there may not be a pitcher of Hamill's building. So good for Texas. Um, last guy I wanted to touch on, or I know you didn't want to talk too much about the Braves trade, and that's fine. You weren't happy with who they traded away, but Hector Oliveira has been on, you know, stash lists and who to keep an eye on lists, and you know, guys who could be called up that can make a big difference, pretty much all season. Do we think he gets the call for the Braves this year? Do we think he uh, actually plays in a major league game this season? Yeah, I, I touched on that kind of in the article I wrote, but. Um... I think for redraft year, redraft leagues, uh, just touching on him real quickly, and I'll get over there. I think Jose Peraza you can drop. I don't think he has any any future in LA this season. Um, now with Rollins kind of turning it around, and then they obviously have Kendrick. Uh, I think you can look at uh, see your Peraza middle infield for the Dodgers next season. Obviously, unless Peraza has has a rough end of this season. 
Um, as for Oliveira, yeah, I think his stock um, skyrockets with the Braves. I don't think we were going to see him in L.A., um, but I think if he can just prove he's healthy for a week straight, um, obviously that's the biggest issue in, <laughs> with his current season. But if he can just play like one, I'd say if he plays one straight week, no health issues, um, whether it's in Gwinnett or Mississippi, I, I think he gets the call. I don't think Jace Peterson's, I, I, I'm afraid to say I don't think he's the answer. I think he's kind of shown that ever since his hot April. He's kind of um, gone south. So I think, and, and even if they do want to keep playing Peterson, they've shown they aren't a huge fan of Chris Johnson, so they can always move Peterson to third and have Oliveira take over at second that way. Um, but, yeah, I definitely like Oliveira if he can just stay on the field. Plus, obviously, to give up Wood and Peraza, he was the piece. Um, he's who they liked in the offseason. He's who John Hart wanted, you know, to, to spend. A, he, he was the main competitor with with L.A. in trying to sign him. So, yeah, I definitely like Oliveira's value in the redraft league now that he's with Atlanta as opposed to when he was with L.A. Yeah, that L.A. team was just packed with infield players, and uh, it is a shame that Peraza is now stuck behind so many of them. Um, I know there was speculation he might play center for the Braves, but I don't think that could happen on the the Dodgers. Um, so that's just sad for him. But I would like to see Oliveira play. I think you're right in redraft leagues. He's got a lot uh, potential for um, like a like a last month and a half breakout, put together some good stats. But it's all going to be about if he's healthy. Um, they don't have a third baseman. Or who is your third baseman now? You got rid of it over eBay. Uh, it's Chris Johnson. Still Chris Johnson? Oh boy. Yeah. Uh, so I think Oliver, <laughs> if he's healthy, could overtake Chris Johnson um, pretty easily. Uh, I I do wonder a little bit about what it says about. I think it's probably more that the Dodgers were just so packed with players that they got they shipped him out as opposed to because they made such a big push for him in the off season. A tiny part of me is worried that maybe they saw some stuff and like, you know, he's not the guy we thought he was uh, or he's not totally as worth the money. Um, so that, I think, is something to keep an eye on if you're if you're going after Oliveira. But again, in Dynasty Leagues or anything like that, somebody already has him. And if you already have him, his stock has gone up. And he'll probably get to the majors this year, which is uh, good news for everybody involved. Uh, so that's pretty much everybody I wanted to cover. Any other trade uh, that happened that we didn't touch on that you wanted to? Uh, I guess the only thing I kind of, you know, I, when I came into the podcast, I kind of just wanted to, uh, I don't know, express my interest in. Obviously, I'm biased, but um, I really like there's a kid named Kyle Zimmer. Uh, he's 23. With, I mean, obviously, a lot of people, um, if you follow the, you know, the minor leagues, know him. Uh, he was a pretty big prospect. The Royals. Now that they have kind of traded away all their depth, uh, they did move him into the rotation with an expectation that he could actually join uh, the Royals rotation or bullpen by September. So, for anyone in, um, you know, I don't know that he makes a huge impact. I think he makes kind of an impact that Giordano Ventura made in 2013. Um, so, I don't know that he really makes an impact in, in redraft leagues. Maybe in AL only, deep, deep AL only league, you might want to, you know, speculate on him, but anyone in a keeper league, you know, you have a 
a spare spot for him, whether it's even auction or something. I think now, within the next you know month or so, would be the the right time to uh, you know put a speculative pickup for him, or save him until next year before I think the hype will really pick up, especially if he makes his major league debut. Um, he was drafted, obviously, uh, he drafted fifth overall in 2012, and that was a class with you know Gossman, um, Haney, Russell, Waka. All those guys, uh, obviously, also Correa number one. Um, so yeah, I, I think he debuted with us, Northwest Arkansas, in 2013, and he's just—he's a man amongst boys, which is kind of what you always look at uh, at the Double A level is guys who just dominate. Um, so yeah, I definitely think if if anyone out there has that that extra space and they just you know are looking to next year, I think he's definitely a good name to keep in mind. Okay, Kyle Zimmer. I didn't think about that when everybody got shipped out that he would get bumped up. So that's that's a good tip for all you dynasty uh, dynasty moguls out there. Um, but Patrick, I want to thank you for coming on. I'm glad I had a guest this week. Uh, it's always more fun talking to somebody than just yourself. Um, so I'm glad you can make it. Uh, once we get the football one going, you'll have to come on there. We can talk about, I don't know, Kansas City Royal, or no, that's a baseball team. Kansas City Chiefs, uh, maybe. Who knows? But we'll get yeah, to I'm that. Not pass on them, but... Yeah, I was just kidding. <laughs> what are you a <laughs> what a Falcons fan? Because you're the Braves fan. I, I, I well, I'm actually a Titans fan. Um, okay, well, you're you're in that area. It could work. All right, it's, so we can talk about Marcus Mariota. Yeah, I'm actually about to drop him in a league I just drafted him. Well, we'll see. We'll talk after trading camp and see what happens. But um, Patrick Wallace, everybody, hit him up on Twitter at pwall uh, underscore 1989. Ask him your questions. Ask him your prospect questions because he's good at that. And if you got any pitching questions, send them his way. If you have any daily fantasy sports questions, don't because <laughs> as we've explained, the two of us are bad at that. Uh, you can send me some tweets at the real Travioli, spelled like Ravioli with a T in front of it. Um, you can find me complaining about my team and debating whether or not I should trade, you know, some young talent and go for it this year, like the Royals. Um, so we'll see. But Patrick, thanks for coming on. We will talk to you soon uh, for socalledfantasyexperts.com. This has been the Home Run the Jewels Fantasy Baseball Podcast. We will catch you guys. I'm not sure when. We may be coming back as uh, just, I don't know, run the football or something. I'll have to come up with a new <clears throat> catchy name for that one. But a football podcast is on the way. We'll see you then. As always, I'm your host, Travis Pastor, uh, signing off.